This episode was brought to you by the great people on Patreon. Dave, Greg, Ryan, Dan, Ian Urza, Kevin, James, Ashley, Greg and Pearl, Raul, Joel, Brian, Amy, Ian West, and Trey. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and no quips this time. This is a serious affair. We're about to dissect possibly the deepest and most perplexing story arc in horror movie history. Okay, we're dipping our toes into hazardous material here, so we got we got to proceed with the utmost caution. Uh, all right, yeah, it's a, it's thorny, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss, and we're in the midst of our Halloween slash Michael Myers franchise review, and today we have a double bill. First, from 1989, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Michael, go home. Go home. Go to your house. I shall be there waiting for you. And then, from 1995, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. So, to do this double bill right, we called in not one, but two Halloween experts, returning guests. First, Greg Bench, or Greg from Ohio. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Excited to talk about these two gem of a films. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And also, we have returning Mr. Sean Davis, a.k.a. Haddonfield Hatchet. How are you, buddy? What's happening? Doing good. All right. Well, guys, here's what we will do. We will start with Halloween 5. And if anybody listening to this hasn't seen it for some reason, um, the IMDb synopsis reads, one year after the events of Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, the shape returns to Haddonfield once again in an attempt to kill his now mute niece. So, Greg, let's start with you. When did you first see Halloween 5? Um having to put some thought into that one because it's been i mean many a year i was only 11 when it came out in theaters so i didn't get the chance to see it in theaters um but i'm thinking probably circa 93 or 94 when i i was about 15 16 and i was able to actually go and rent these uh that or i may have saw, saw them on amc uh you know, any number of places. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, when I was starting to get the itch and and uh, really starting to learn more about these series besides just the one and two or, or the ones that everybody was talking about. And obviously, I saw it prior to part six because I was a total Michael Myers fan by the time uh, 95 came around. Gotcha. Haddonfield, how about you? When did you first see this? Oh, I don't even really remember. Um, I'm sure I probably rented it on like VHS or something from either one of the local mom and pop shops or mm-hmm. uh, Blockbuster. Possibly saw it on HBO or Cinemax. Uh, but I can't get a specific. I was probably, I was 11 when it came out. So it wasn't a theater watch for me, that's for sure. Because I probably would have peed my pants. <laughs> Well, Jackson, what about you? When did you first see Halloween 5? Uh, I, I first saw this in September of 2018, uh, around the same time as Halloween 4. It was actually, like I said on, on the last episode, it was on a combo DVD with, with Halloween 4. And I, I kind of remember liking it the first time around, um, watching them back to back like that. This time around, it's been two weeks since I've seen Halloween 4. 
Uh, and I did not enjoy myself with Halloween 5 this time. So, so naturally, I'm very excited to talk about this because these are my favorite kind of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're throwing down fighting words. Well, I know not only when I saw it, I know where I saw it. I saw this at the Universal Theater in Universal City on opening weekend. It would have been a matinee on Saturday, October 14th in a nearly empty theater. And we'll touch on the box office later, but that's when I saw it. Um, the plot and screenplay, you know, as I read from IMDb, we, you know, we start off with the end of four and then flash forward a year later. Jamie, played by Danielle Harris, is in a children's home with obvious PTSD. And despite having stabbed her foster mother at the end of the last film, Rachel, played by Ellie Cornell, along with her friend Tina, whose name we'll hear many times, played by Wendy Kaplan, Still visitor, they still seem to be on good terms. So Michael arises, goes on a killing spree, having survived the shots and blasts by falling out into a river and being cared for by a poor man's Popeye living in a shack down by the river, um, who he dispatches. And, you know, and she now has, Jamie has a psychic connection with Michael, which somehow Loomis knows and is convinced Michael's back, even though he seemed convinced that he was dead at the end of four. We'll get to more of it later, but um, <laughs> including the number of times, I couldn't count the number of times the name Tina was shouted, but anyway, and also those cops, good Lord. But I mean, somebody help me out here. Um, first of all, before we get into the plot, I know that the director did the cop thing with the weird noises and all that other kind of stuff as an homage to Last House on the Left. But riddle me this, Greg, why would you pay an homage to the worst part of Last House on the Left? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's a great question, and I don't have a good answer for it. Hanfield, you want to take a stab at it? I mean, worst part of Last House on the Left, maybe the worst director of the Halloween series? I don't know. I could draw... <laughs> A straight line. He's just a, he's got an attraction to what's not good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have other things that I, you know, football pad Michael Myers, not a fan. Yeah. Personal flotation device Michael Myers, not a fan. <laughs> uh, and what kind of cops? I mean, you know. You're an attorney. You've been around law enforcement. What kind of cops just, they shoot somebody, they throw a stick of dynamite in a hole, and they're like, we don't need to check. It's done. Uh, that's actually, I think, uh, probably a couple of cops from a couple of towns over. Uh, <laughs> they usually shoot first, blow stuff up, then ask questions. Sounds well, like your uh, typical uh, backwoods holler hillbilly police officers. <laughs> You may be right. Uh, anyway, Jackson, can you explain that homage to Last House on the Left with those cops? No, and I don't know. Like, you know, I have five notes written for this movie. <laughs> Do you know that? They're all one sentence notes, and they all pretty much say this is the worst part of the movie. And I had to keep updating it, and I have timestamps. And it's really just, I'm, I'm angry, Dad. I don't think you understand that because I remember enjoying this. And yeah. this has been a little part of me has died today watching this movie. Oh. It's it's tragic, and I want to go to sleep. Oh, that makes me laugh. I, I have it playing right now on Shutter, and I, this will make the third time in three weeks that I've watched it. Actually, the third time <laughs> in, in 
See, I worked last Saturday and Sunday, and I worked yesterday. So I watched it. I watched four, or five, and six on Saturday of last week while I was at work. Uh, you know, making up a few days. But then I watched it again yesterday. So I've watched it twice. This will make three times in a week. Oh, man. So, All right. Well, yeah. Greg, what do you think of the overall plot of Halloween? Five. We'll get to the, or you can jump to it, but we'll definitely spend some time talking about the cult of Thorn or whatever it is in the ending. But this overall, I mean, we kind of we kind of off Jamie pretty quick, right? And then we just kind of jump in, and you've got, you know, you got Doctor Loomis again shaking a child with PTSD while Michael's running around. You got the Tower Farm thing, and then you've got Loomis basically setting using a little girl as bait and all other kind of stuff. But I just got to say, do you, do you enjoy that anyway? Do you like it? Do you get it? What do you think? I, I guess I do kind of get it, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to be the hater, I guess, for this episode. <laughs> um, I'm not a lover. This is by far. It not. looks like Jackson's going to play the heel for this one. Well, yeah, we'll- <laughs> it sounds like Jackson really really hurting. Um, but um this was one of the ones I can definitely honestly say before this uh, episode, I it was probably one of the least viewed with uh, one that you guys haven't reviewed yet, which is Resurrection. Yeah. Um, and they all hold that special place. But not, for number five, it was just that, I don't know, it was always just the sequel to part four. And part four just always seemed to play out a little bit better than part five. Now, the thing that always made me laugh about Paul five is his mask and i cannot look at that mask without thinking about the greatest band the hottest band in the world kiss because i swear if you took off all the makeup and put ace freely with just the white face it's this it's this mask you i didn't notice that it looks just like ace freely every time i see this mask in this movie i kind of just chuckle and and i guess it's kind of endearing i really actually kind of appreciate the the crappiness of the mask if you will because it reminds me of ace freely i'm just waiting for him to just grab his guitar and start you know doing some licks quick and but stab somebody and then grab a les paul huh michael is a 2000 man (laughs) (laughs) like i'm a huge ace fraley fan like i absolutely love ace fraley like saw him in concert by himself my wife got into a fight for his sweat towel at the end uh which which she did win the fight uh add a girl meg so (laughs) now greg i want to let you know i appreciate this because every time i watch this movie what is seen and heard cannot be unseen and unheard (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what, what what did you think? And I, I, it'd probably be unfair to compare it to four. Um, our episode on four just dropped today, but spoiler alert, I really like four. Um, but five, I'll just go ahead and say I kind of, kind of come down the middle on it. I mean, do, the plot, do, do you, I know they were rushing this because of a writer's strike, I believe, but do you, do you think it's a well-written screenplay? Um, it's the beginnings of a well-written screenplay. I just don't think everything was thought out. And the reason why I say that is I actually listened to the commentary with the great Justin Beam. And, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name. The guy that played Michael, uh, Don Shanks. 
Okay. So and and it was a really good commentary, and that you know he really just kind of makes light of the situation of everything that he had to do to be Michael, especially how Loomis broke his nose and and all kinds of things. Um, well, it was, but the if I if memory serves, I mean they were like rewriting the screenplay on set. I believe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was quite as bad as like six. I don't think it's quite as bad as a script of six. Okay. I think it was just they were hot. They were coming hot off of part four, and they were just following the formulas of the previous. I mean, Friday the 13th was just knocking them out every year almost in the 80s. There's only Mm -hmm. two years missing. And I think, uh, you know, Akkad just really hot on the heels of number four. And, you know, you listen to those guys making the commentary and like Don Shanks is just saying they really started to elaborate this whole thorn thing and they really didn't have a direction of where it was going to go. And Don Shanks even made the comment that he he was the guy that portrayed the, the, the man in black in the movie. Yeah. And they were even almost going for a raising cane kind of a situation where, you know, they're, which one's the good Michael and which one's the bad Michael kind of a thing where they could alternate roles at any moment. It was really interesting. And it's really muddled, though, too. I mean, any but. Oh, yeah. I mean, Haddonfield, what do you think of the screenplay? Could this have used a polish? Uh, this screenplay needed a lot of work. I don't think it needed just a polish. It's like they tried to throw everything in except the kitchen sink. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, it's like Greg said, you know, a lot of that Friday the 13th, uh, like, get through. It's like, hey, we've made a mazillion dollars off Halloween 4. Let's crank these out as much as possible uh it's just too much crammed into an hour and 25 hour and 30 minutes it's some of it works a lot of it don't yeah it does have that it has one of the highest kill counts of any halloween movie i think it's got 20 kills or something like that but jackson you're an aspiring filmmaker go ahead let us hear what you think of the screenplay i think i know already well, we always know that movies like podcasts are best when they have no idea where they're going with it. Uh, we've seen this time and time again with with such great movies where they just went in and started shooting and they weren't really sure what they were going to end up with. And that uh, was Citizen Kane, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it's it's we've we found this dad whenever we go in with like three notes which is kind of yeah. where I'm, I am with Halloween 5, um, the podcast just kind of devolves into madness. And I think <laughs> they just had too many cooks in the kitchen. They had too too much going on with Halloween 5, not enough planning, not enough people actually thinking. They were just like, shoot it, shoot it, we're burning money here. Uh, they'll assemble it in editing. Well, they'll fix it in editing. They'll fix it in post. That's, that's the mantra of money people in, in the film industry, not understanding that you can only fix what you have to fix. You know what I mean? If you don't shoot enough, you're not going to have enough material. And I think that was that was the problem with Halloween 5. They shot little bits of little ideas, and they're like, ah, they can probably bring it together into something. They can imply it in the editing. And uh, what we ended up with was a absolute mess i have no idea what's going on i have no idea 
why they felt the need to start introducing supernatural, mystical uh, backstory elements for Michael in this movie. Uh, I don't know what happened to the costume. I mean, I guess canonically, Michael was in that guy's hut for a year, so maybe it would degrade a little bit, but holy crap, tuck that mask in, Michael. It looks awful. Well, that and and he's been in that shack for a year. You could probably smell Michael coming before you saw him. Yeah, holy crap, he's he's been sitting on his back for a year. I'd imagine they're bed sores, and he's used the bathroom in that trench coat several times I'd, I'd assume i don't know maybe he just maybe he just didn't he just held it i mean but he is beside a creek or a river so he could have just you know done a little top and tails and washed <laughs> off some bed yeah junk. i i think that guy that hermit guy picked him up took him down by the river and i don't know let's let's not think about the logic of, of what michael was doing in there for a year uh because i think the implication is just that he was sleeping which is just a terrible yeah they're trying to avoid the friday the, thir- the 13th part two type thing where it doesn't technically take place on friday the 13th they're, they're like no a halloween movie has to take place on halloween and jamie lloyd looks a little bit older so let's just say it's a year later on Halloween, but it doesn't make any sense that he would just be in that hut for a year and that the the hermit guy would be doing the exact same thing when Michael wakes up. It's such a baffling choice. Oh my gosh. And the dialogue and what they did with Rachel's character. Holy crap. It's just, oh man, I just hate this movie. I, I despise this movie. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a fun, cozy 80s slasher the last time I watched it. But now watching this movie... I understand why Scream was necessary, okay? I've always loved Scream. But watching Halloween 5, and especially Halloween 6, which we'll talk about later, I understand why Scream was so necessary. Because this was the state of horror movies, and it was just a disgrace. Well, and and, and just to be sure, because if listeners are howling out there, especially new listeners... You loved John Carpenter's Halloween, and you really liked Halloween 2 and Halloween 4, correct? Of course, and and I, and that's been reflected in my ratings. I mean, I gave Halloween 1978 a perfect 10 out of 10 because it's just, it's just a perfect film. But this is just, I hate to say it, it's like a bastardization of the franchise. It's just awful. It's like they took what was special and have just run it into the ground and ripped off the ripoffs of Halloween. It just makes me, oh just makes me angry but it is funny though and that is the upside uh this movie is hilarious i love goofing on this movie uh i i really would like to record a commentary track about it um but uh but yeah it was just and but like i said this is all serious okay we're not we're not joking about this movie this is a serious piece of art and i will critique it harshly as such (laughs) yeah okay well i think the screenplay is okay given that it was rushed there was a writer strike, all that kind of stuff. And so they they did try to just kind of pound this out as quickly as they could. If you read the book, which I recommend, Taking Shape, about the writing and production of these sequels, you have to have sympathy for the screenwriters. I mean, because Mustafa Akkad was, you know, once he took charge, and then, then Lord, then the Weinsteins take charge. But when Akkad was in charge, he was all over the place. Like, he was perfectly happy with the end of four, which implies Jamie's going to be the killer or Jamie's going to be Michael's sidekick or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the cause like, no, 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 I don't want that. Uh, I want Michael back. And and I want I want to, you know, you can explain Michael a little bit. That's fine. And we'll, we'll talk about the whole Thorn thing. But did we need to start explaining Michael? Can't he just be the boogeyman? And do they just basically just... I mean, they act like the end of four doesn't exist. And especially because I like Jackson, like you and Haddonfield, I've, I tend to watch these back to back. Greg, does that, does that bug you at all? 
Oh, slightly. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, because I can remember when I first saw it, um, very similar to like the end of two, which you guys have covered. I remember watching that with my brother and I actually like gave him that look of now, wait a second. How can he survive that kind of a blast? And my brother just looks at me and goes, do you really care, Greg? Does it really have to make that much logic? Because we're going to be watching four and then five after this. And I guarantee you, after you watch four, you're going to be all excited to watch five. And then after about 30 seconds, you're going to go, what? What are they doing? They had Jamie all set up for this. And yeah, it is kind of a minor letdown that you're feeling like it's a they had a great direction that it could have went possibly and then they completely just do this telekinetic you know link to Michael in in number 5 that she has yeah. with 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 her uncle and you know and there's some cheesy moments like like what Jackson said especially at the end so yeah Hadfield, what about you? Can't Michael just be the boogeyman? And did they essentially just ignore the end of four? I mean, I feel like Michael should just be the boogeyman because that leads me into like Rob Zombie's backstory. It's like, just let them just kill people and stalk people. (laughs) You know, it's when you start trying to like introduce like, oh, Jamie, She's gonna. She stabbed her stepmom. Okay, what happened to her stepmom? A, did her stepmom die? B, did they just go ahead and put her in a children's home because she's crazy? And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you get go from being like just a serial killer walking and killing people to like, hey, I've got this weird tattoo that's gonna be on my hand later on, and um. Yeah, we're gonna have like this link. So when I kill people, you're gonna freak out and have seizures and can't breathe, and then they're gonna try to cut your throat open. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just think I, I think we should just. I think a cod would have been better off, and I think he kind of does that in four, where Michael's just a boogeyman, and you know, just like Carpenter and Hill wanted him to be, and I think that's enough. Oh, it wholeheartedly is enough. I mean, like I appreciate. Like, anytime I get to see Michael Myers, like, I, I, I'm all for it. Like, I even like Halloween 3, even though Michael Myers is just on the television. Uh, but if there's Halloween, Michael Myers, in, I'm going to watch it. Like, I appreciate what they do, but I also appreciate the new sequels that kind of just, I don't know, it gets rid of all the garbage in the middle yeah. and the, the conundrum of continuity. And like resets everything, so you basically have like the alternate Michael Myers timeline. You know, then you're starting to get into like, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. You've got your choose your own adventure type Halloween. Yeah, now right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's like whenever I watch Halloween now, um, thanks to Halloween 2018, it's Halloween, then Halloween 2018, and then of course Halloween Kills when it comes. Um, before it was Halloween one and two together, Halloween three by itself, then four, five, and six, and then H2O and Resurrection. You know, which I I guess technically you could put H2O and Resurrection with one and two and have like a four, you know, but I 
I always split them up a certain way. Everybody's got their own way of watching the series. But when you, you know, now you've got like new remakes, reboots, revisioning, you know, it's just a conundrum. Uh, but part five and six, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm probably there with you, but all right. Jackson, I still love I'm, them. I love both I know, of them. So. I know, I know. That's the thing. Even the Halloween movies that I'll talk about in this franchise review that I cannot defend as good films, I I will. I own them. <laughs> so what is that? I own multiple copies of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for my Shout Factory ones to arrive, the new ones. So yeah, I, obviously there's something there. But uh, Jackson, what do you think about you know them dumping the end of four essentially, unless you can somehow defend it and then bringing this whole you know cult of thorn thing all that kind of stuff what do you think well i don't mind so much abandoning the jamie twist um i think that that's fine i'm fine with that i mean they did the same thing with with the friday movies right with tommy jarvis didn't they do that twice like in part four we see tommy kill jason and he's like a little too into it and then in part five we get that fake out with the mask right the roy burns mask and tommy so it's like they tried to do that twice with friday and they abandoned it, thank God, and gave us part six with Tommy, which is, in my opinion, one of the best Friday the 13th movies. So I'm glad they abandoned that Jamie thing. I'm, I don't really think that it would have been, I mean, what would the alternative have been? Jamie being compelled by the man in black to kill people? Maybe that would have been more unique, but certainly not better. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm, I don't have a problem with them abandoning that. But with the, 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 the lore... That the lore is is the problem here. The the canon, it's been lost. Okay, the, what what made Halloween and to some extent Halloween too, even though it did introduce the whole brother sister aspect. What made those movies so good, and we've said this time and time again, is their simplicity. Okay, it's just pure terror and suspense. You don't need too much. You're not bogged down with plot. You just you know what you need to know. Lori's a babysitter. Michael wants to kill her. That's that's Halloween. Now we're starting to introduce the cult aspects and we have weird psychic connections between Michael and Jamie and she's calling him uncle and that's somehow compelling him to stop murder. It's like it's sort of like the 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 Friday part two. I'm sorry I keep tying this back to Friday, but again, this is Friday ripped off Halloween and now Halloween is ripping off Friday the 13th, which I find very funny, um, mm-hmm. uh, which we've seen as far back as 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 even two to some well extent. yeah two we talked about that where carpenter went back and added a lot of blood because right after the success of friday 13th he thought you had to yeah which is unfortunate i love and maybe not in halloween too i enjoy halloween too i like the the ridiculous kills in that i mean the the needle in the eye and the the uh the hot tub kill that's all great um but when we get here they're they're the the kills are fine i like that they've brought the the slasher elements over but the slasher elements that are bad like the plot and the weird twists and you have to have twists everywhere it's just it's just the worst well it was i I were i worked in politics for many years and you know in the 90s there was no better strategist than james carvel he ran clinton's 92 campaign if you watch the documentary the war room he says don't complicate the simple you yeah. know, when he was talking to people, I think that's what you're saying is they, it, it, they've just thrown in too much stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And they're trying to, they're trying, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to create intrigue so that you'll see 
Halloween six. You know what I mean? They're like they're trying to plant seeds there so that there's just nothing. Because at the end of Halloween four, we're like, okay, there's a twist there. I'm not really interested in that twist, and I don't think they'll they'll follow through on it. And sure enough, they didn't. But they're like, we have to have something. So now we're gonna introduce this tattoo. Ooh, what's this tattoo? What's this all about? And look, the man, we've never seen as well. Exactly. Yeah, and we've seen Michael in a lot of different uh, angles, a lot of different shots. We've never had hands in in a lot of different angles. Grab people and everything else. So it's just they were trying to introduce intrigue, so we pay for a ticket for Halloween Six, but it ultimately just just hurt the the franchise i think and it's just it, it well, is a shame they were doing what they were doing is they were doing the the movie um uh what are this called the the kakadooki car thing you know what i mean they're they're trying to keep you on edge so you'll pay to see the next one but right. the, the way they're doing that is all wrong yeah i mean it's let me ask you this because the whole thorn thing we can go ahead and get into that because then we can talk about the kills but the whole thorn thing originally if if taking shape got it right and my understanding is it wasn't supposed to be a poor man's Popeye living in the shack by the river. It was supposed to be some kid who was really into the occult and was taking care of Michael because he was into the occult and he would have given him the thorn tattoo and they just ditched that. And for some reason went, no, it'll just be some old guy living off of uh, soup and a heating plate and down by the river blind blind living down by the river yeah yeah and so yeah how um, did he not drown i'll never figure that one out i don't know either haddonfield so you're you you responded first with the alternative screenwriting screenplay where they had the kid who was into the occult taking care of michael and giving the thorn tattoo would that made more sense i think there would have been a better alley way to navigate the film if that would have been how they how they approached it, um, I think with the way they've done it, it's like okay, we're going to take this spaghetti that's been cooking, and we're going to toss it at the wall, and whatever sticks is what's going in the film. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's like we're going to throw it, and if it sticks and hits, hey, let's do it. But I, I think if they did the alternate, you know. With the kid being all into the occult, hey, give Michael Myers tattoo, then it goes a little, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like it probably would have worked then, you know, some old timer that can't see that's living down by the river, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's like, how did he not hear the explosion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I thought Michael fell down a mine shaft. I didn't know that he like fell down like and come out like at the river wearing his personal flotation device. I uh, but uh, yeah. uh, it's just I, I guess could, that you you brought it up earlier. This this director, you know, I'm not a big fan of his, and he, I think why he changed it, he switched it. He thought he was being clever and paying homage to like um, to Frankenstein. You know, with an old guy who just happens to take them in and takes care of them and all this kind of stuff, except there's a twist that Michael turns on him. But but who cares? I mean, I, these all these stupid homages he tried to throw in, you don't need to homage other movies on a Halloween movie, do you? No, no, absolutely not. It's like, just make a movie where Michael Myers goes and kills people. Yeah. A, that's what's going to make the money. And B, that's what people want to see. 
Exactly. I want to see Michael. Yeah. Greg, what about you? I mean, would that, would, if they'd gone back and, because they did some reshoots, if they'd gone back and reshot that, because it wasn't the original script, it would have explained the Thorn thing. We, and we, we wouldn't have had the homage to Frankenstein. But what do you think? Um, it is interesting because when you listen to the commentary, they actually did shoot that opening with a guy named Dr. Death. And once, uh, once some, uh, I don't know if it was just a test run or if some producers had seen it, they didn't really care for the beginning. They thought that it was too uh, demonic to, you know, because of it dealing with the cult. Um, so the reshoots It's a Halloween saw, horror movie. Why I do you know. care if there's demonic <laughs> stuff in it? <laughs> I know. And, and I'm just, I just wanted to double check. And it, it's going to be on your disc too for your collector's edition of number five. I, I will watch that. But yeah, I can't. I always find that weird when producers in Hollywood are like, well, we can't do that because. And it's like, oh, we can't go too demonic because, you know, that movie, The Exorcist, was such a huge bomb. <laughs> um, we can't go that route. Let's not touch on the devil here with the boogeyman serial killer. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Jackson, I don't know. Save me. What, what do you think? What, 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 route, what route would you have gone as a film director? Well, first of all, let me say. Almost any change to this movie would be an improvement. Okay, there are a few, <laughs> few ways I can think of that they can make it worse. But there are, there are more ways they could have made it better. Um, so really just, you know, whatever. Dr. Death, sure, a little kid, yeah, whatever. You know, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's get back into the studio and reshoot this. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So this is, okay. I was thinking about it, maybe not so much how I would do it, but how it would go if they had gone with the with the occult kid, you know, maybe he's like a goth kid. He's really into that kind of stuff. Um, he's got candles and Ouija boards and stuff. Yeah, so if he puts the, the thorn on him, that totally eradicates the whole ages-old Samhain cult uh, sacrificing babies and stuff. That totally gets rid of that, because if it's just some kid doing that to Michael for the first time, that doesn't mean that Michael was was like groomed for this cult. So that would be an improvement. Sure. Now, I'm wondering, would in the original script, this this thorn that this this kid, this occult kid gives to Michael make him like undead? Maybe maybe he dies in that explosion. He's he's blown all the crap. He's he's missing fingers and stuff. He's like a zombie he's, or he's, he's just a corpse. The kid brings him back with the thorn symbol, and now he's kind of like Jason. You know, he's kind of like a zombie-type character. That would have been more interesting than he was, like I said, groomed by some guy in black. Um, I think that would have been more interesting. Uh, anyways, it, like I said, almost any change would be an improvement. They, there could have been, they could have made it worse, sure. Um, I think if, if, uh, if, Rachel had been in it more, they would have just ruined her character even more. So I'm glad that they, they killed her off. Um, so they did something right there. But again, any other change? Oh, I don't mind Ellie Cornell. I think she's okay. In this movie, she was so much more interesting in the first one. Now she's just like, she's just. Well, naked. she wasn't given a lot to do, but I mean, I, I frankly prefer her acting wise to Tina. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. They Absolutely. should have killed off Tina. Tina should have been the one taking a shower, then she gets killed, and then Rachel is with Jamie. I don't understand why they killed off Rachel. Money. And then, yeah, was that it? Did she want a bigger rate? I, I think it was either money or she didn't like... I can't remember where I read it, but it was either, it was either money or 
she didn't like how the screenplay. She thought it was trash. I don't know. I mean, I've watched these and I've read all kinds of stuff, but it's kind of hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. But and would this movie have been better if 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 everybody had been screaming Rachel instead of instead of Tina? Would that have been better? I think it probably would have been. And and we would have had less Tina, so that would have been a, an improvement overall. And my ears wouldn't have bled as much. Exactly. And we wouldn't have had the weird Mike storyline with her boyfriend uh, and the, the cookie woman. That Come guy on. Who wants that. Mike, Mike, he looks like he wants to be a cast member of Grease, and it's 1989. I mean, it looks like he wants to be the lead singer for a Shanana cover band or something. It's like, what? who is this dude in 1989? In 1989, guys like that were still wearing ripped jeans and Guns N' Roses t-shirts. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, that guy. I couldn't wait for him to die. I was really glad about that. Which brings me to the kills. What do we think of the kills in Halloween five? Uh, Greg, what about you? Uh, I think the kills were OK. <clears throat> you know, as for I guess at this point by 1989, you, you wanted those uh, intricate kills. And I just felt like this was this held back on some of the yeah. actual things. Uh, of course, as you guys you just pointed out, you don't even get to out, see the dumb cops die. No, you don't. But I think Mike probably had the best kill because, again, you're annoyed by this character because of how poorly he treats Tina. And then when he, when you know, Michael, you know, has that hoe and he's scraping the car and the and you know here's senior hard ass coming out and wants to you know I'll, I'll show you what i can do and he just whap right on the head yep mike's down and and then he dons the mask and it's just it, it's probably one of the 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 better parts of the movie if there's even a better part of the movie according <laughs> to jackson but <laughs> i mean but i mean and then you know once you get into the barn kills i mean i just felt like they they were really, it was very atmospheric in that scene. I mean, you could definitely tell they were trying to be creepy and uh, boost the atmosphere. And uh, again, listening to the commentary really kind of rose this movie up for me, I guess, okay. just because it was just really uh, heartwarming to hear the guy that plays Michael Myers. You know, he keeps making comments about, you know, and the fact is I'm real, I'm using real weapons here. That's the thing. These kids are running around me. I can't see through this mask and I'm holding a pitchfork that's like 14 inches long daggers and I got these kittens running around me and I'm afraid I'm going to step on a kitten and then <laughs> so it's just it was just really neat and he was like I was a I was a farming kid. I was a, a you know a you know bumpkin on a farm so it was really nice for me to see all these implements that I had actually used out on the farm. So mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the kills were, if I can say, lackluster just a little bit. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, with the, the only kill that really stood out to me, and I'll throw it over to you, Haddonfield, was, and of course, this is a little bit maybe from from taking from other movies, but the pitchfork through the boyfriend when he's on top of his girlfriend and finally scoring, and he gets that pitchfork. That there's a little bit of gore there, but other than that, yeah, they they really sanitized this. And I don't know if that was the MPAA or Mustafa Ukad, but uh, Haddonfield, what do you think of the kills? Um, I was actually going to say that was probably one of my favorite kills, even though it seems to me like a Friday the 13th flashback. Mm, you know? yep. um, I did like the kill where uh, 
Michael comes up and like just starts railing on the car, and then Mike so uh, gets out and tries to act like he's all like, "Hey, I'm gonna cut you!" Blah 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 blah. Then all of a sudden, he dies like it's it's a puny death. But then when he takes the thing to the face, it kind of makes up for yeah. it. Uh, the kills weren't bad. I do I do feel like they may have sanitized them some, and it was probably the MPAA. Because, um, I mean, they're not as, I mean, they, there may be a lot of kills, but I feel like they're not as gory as they could be. Yeah, um, and, this was, and this was that time, because, I mean, I remember when I was living in L.A., if you wanted to see Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer before 1990, you had to go to a festival somewhere because they had so many fights with the MPAA for like four years to get Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer even out. I mean, that thing debuted at festivals in 86 and did not get wide distribution until 1990 because they were constantly fighting with the MPAA. It was that time, right? Yeah, I I would, because, I mean, 1989, I mean, if you start thinking about it, it's like, you know, you can see a transition from, like, the gore factor and then nudity like in the 80s so Mm -hmm. when you start getting towards the end of the decade and into the 90s a lot of that gets cut out but then when you look at scream look what wes craven had to go through with steve's disembowelment like how many times did that have to go to the mpa and it still and it still got cut so you don't get to see like the all the intestines flopping out and so it, it's like the MPAA is just a scam uh, run by like, I don't know. They're like a secret cabal. Yeah. Uh, because so. if you're, if you're Steven Spielberg, you can do what you want. And, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, yep. if you're like Kevin Smith or anybody else, <laughs> the answer is no. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're Spielberg, Lucas, somebody like that, you can do whatever you please, but otherwise nap, we're going to, we're going to slam you. Um, Jackson, what about you? Did you at least like some of the kills or any of the kills? Yeah, I, I'd have to second what what the the uh, consensus has been so far. I mean, Mike's kill is really cool. I like that it just like really sticks in his face. That like that rape type thing just kind of just lodges deep in there, and then he falls backward. It's, it's, it's really satisfying, especially since he's such a jerk. Um, but uh, yeah, I like I like Mike's kill. I do like the. Um, the the pitchfork through the back and I was expecting the double skewer I didn't remember how it went but I was kind of appreciative that it didn't I think it would have gone too far if we got the double skewer and be like oh great so Friday the 13th part two the fact that it only goes through the first guy and then that the girl actually takes the pitchfork out to try to defend herself that was kind of a cool twist that was something I appreciated um it didn't go too far with it but uh, for the most part, I mean, we have a bunch of off-screen deaths, right? I mean, we see when they go, when the cops show up, they, they've got all these, like, dead bodies they're wheeling out. And then at the end, mm. at the, the police station, there are, like, a bunch of dead cops. So it's, like, all, um, I would say, like, half of the kills are off-screen. So it doesn't really count as the biggest body count, I don't think. Um, like I, yeah, they, they're, I mean, I think they're counting off-screen as well. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. They, like, like they count the... The guy that Michael gets his outfit from in, in John Carpenter's Halloween, right? That you only see his body lying on the side of the road. True. Right. And since that's the exception, like in that movie, since that's like the only kill we don't really see any of, 
Uh, I can understand why they would add that to the kill count because he did kill them, him, and that was important to the story. With this one, they're just like, oh, and ten cops are dead in there. It's like, okay, well, we didn't see it happen. We There's no indication about how it happened. And you've just dumped a bunch of extras in there. So it doesn't feel as as meaningful to the story. So it's just inflating the body count, basically, is what I'm saying. With the first one, that guy was dead and we didn't see it because we we're saving the first you know, Michael kill, you know what I mean? We were saving seeing what he as an adult was capable of. Um, but with this movie, we've already seen him kill a bunch of people, and then they have a bunch of off-screen deaths. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And what else do we want to talk about before we wrap this up and move to Halloween Curse of Michael Myers? Anything else we want to say about this before we give our rating and recommendation? Greg, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I did. I, I was just going to add, and... I, I don't know. I keep talking about the. I usually don't listen to the commentaries, but I don't know. Seeing that it was, you know, Justin Beam and, and Don Shanks, mm-hmm. um, and just appreciating who, um, oh, gosh, my names, um, Loomis, Donald so Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. Thank you. So Donald Pleasance being Donald Pleasance after the big car chase scene with the kids and Michael's inside the car chasing them and crashes into the tree. Then Loomis has his big monologue. Well, Donald Pleasance asked Don Shanks politely because it was two different uh, shooting schedules, but he asked Don Shanks, could you just linger out in the woods for me? I don't want to see you. I don't want to know where you're at, but just having your presence out there will bring more genuine voice out of me so don shanks being the guy he is says yeah i'll just i'll go stand out there and you you go through your thing so he says i was out there for like an additional two hours as donald pleasance is just doing what donald pleasance does great which is which is a, a kind of an interesting loomis scene if you will um, so I just found that to cool. be fairly interesting. And then, you know, so when you watch the movie, you see Michael weaving in and out of the trees. Well, that was just uh, B-roll. That was just extra footage that they had. They didn't actually shoot that, obviously, the magic of movies um, at that time. But uh, another little tidbit was you mentioned the big cookie carryout. Yeah. Um when you watch it, which I know Jackson's going to just jump right to it, but when you watch <laughs> it, the guy that's running out of the convenience store and into the car is uh, Greg Nicotero. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Don Shanks said that everybody in that scene, they had to use a lot of background actors, but they mm. weren't actually actors. They were just people <laughs> that were on the set, grips and 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 whoever was available just to be there um, just to cut on time and cut on money. So gotcha. that's what I thought was kind of interesting, but that's yeah, cool. outside of that, I mean, I can give, give my rating if, if you want. Well, first things first, hadn't feel anything else you want to bring up before we get to our ratings. Let's just go ahead and talk about what chaps my biscuits in this film. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. The introduction of the film Halloween 4 has one of the most iconic and introductions that makes you feel like it's Halloween, it's in the fall, and then you go to Halloween 5, and it's the complete opposite. It's like they decide to put like a steady cam or a handy cam, like 
and like, I don't even know what all yeah. going on with it, but it's garbage. Like, I love the movie because it holds a special place in my heart because it's part of Halloween. Like, I'm always going to like it. But after watching, I, I actually had to go back and watch the beginning again, and it was like, did, why did they do this? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just garbage compared to Halloween 4. You know, you don't get, you have a pumpkin, and it looks like they're sloshing around on the inside of the pumpkin is what I yeah. got from it. I don't even know. But it just chaps my biscuits in all the wrong areas. Yep, I'm with you. I can't argue with you. But, uh, all right, Jackson, what about you? Uh, I just want to say that Halloween 5 also chaps my biscuits. I just want to say that. <laughs> That's the perfect just... way to describe it. Uh, I didn't, I've never heard that phrase before, but I'm going to get that on a T-shirt now. <laughs> it's going to be that logo we see at the beginning. Halloween 5, and then below it, chaps my biscuits. And yep. I will wear, I swear I will wear this Patreon money putting to good use. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. I um, All right. I'll go first here with ratings and recommendations. Uh, I, I cannot defend a lot of things about this movie. There are, a lot of, there are portions of this movie that I really like. I, I'm with Haddonfield. Anytime Michael Myers is up to bat, I'm going to watch it. That's one. Two. Um, and Donald Pleasance is in it. So that's a plus. And even when he's, you know, even when he's shaking a PTSD child, um, I still think that he's a great, great actor. And back to your point, Greg, where he's just trying to get, I mean, he's doing Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers, and he's still trying to give a good performance. Right. And so I like that. I like that. I like some of the kills. It's a Halloween movie. I complain a lot about it. I hate the cops thing in it. I hate a lot about a lot of stuff in it. I don't like the actress who played. Tina, I'm sure she's a nice person. I just don't think she gave a good performance. I think she's she and her boyfriend are both annoying. I didn't like the kids at all that much. And so, but I'm still coming down the middle. I'll give it a five out of 10. Um, if you've never seen it, you do need, need to see it. And there's no reason, especially this October, with Fear Fest and everything else, not to see it. And if you're a Halloween fan, of course, you have to own it. So that's my opinion. Greg, what about you? I'm right there with everybody, I feel, except for Jackson. I, I'm sorry, Jackson. I'm just going to pick on you. But um, <laughs> it's 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 Michael. Michael was always my buddy. Uh, when I was around 10 was when I really started, like, asking my bro brother a lot of questions. And because of part four and seeing the commercials, I was like, this is going to be my guy. My brother was always a Jason Voorhees fan. And at that time I was sneaking anything I could. Freddie freaked the freaked me out to no avail. But Michael was that silent dude that just was, was just a creeper. And he was just in the background. And Little did I know that number five was going to be the way that it was, because I didn't at that time. But I feel like it's a companion piece with number four, even though it really, you don't have to see either one together. It just feels uh, organic that they go together. Five is a lesser film than number four. Haddonfield nailed it with that intro, which even watching it this time, I completely forgot about it. And it's just this sloshing of a knife, cutting out a pumpkin. And um, it's just, it's just weird. It's, it's just a weird opening. And um, the mask, uh, the, the, 
the sanitized kills and just the little things. But then it's also the little things that brings it where I'm at, which is a five out of ten, smack dab right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because it's number five? I don't know. But <laughs> it's 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 a it's a five out of ten. If you're a fan of Michael, you've already seen it. If you're new yep. to horror and especially slashers, you're gonna probably find thirty or forty other ones before this that will tickle your fancy more than number five. So But they need to start with John Carpenter's Halloween. But they need to start with Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that's that's almost required viewing if you really get into the slashers. If somebody, if one of my kids was the, you know, in a few years says, Dad, I really want to watch a slasher movie. That's the first one that I'm going to show them. Even if they're like, I want to see this one. No, 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 no. You watch this one first and then we'll go and watch whatever you want to watch. As Bruce Campbell said on E.R. Ross History of Horror, Halloween is a slasher movie, but it's the Cadillac of slasher movies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, Haddonfield, what about you? What do you rate this? What do you say? Well, I'm a, I'm slightly higher just because, like, I have such affinity for all of those films. Yeah, I have a tendency to overrate them. So with this one, I give it a seven. I think in the past I may have rated it an eight. So it, mm-hmm. after watching it, just because it's Michael Myers, that's and I got to see people get killed. <laughs> but after watching it uh, twice this week, starting on the third time, it, it does deaden it for me a little bit. Yeah, uh, and you know it, the opening really just irked me when i watched it and i I got to thinking about that and i was like because i watched four and five back to get back to back uh took a break and then watched the monstrosity that's six um (laughs) but uh, overall i mean it is michael myers he's killing people he's stalking people there's a lot of stupid crap in that movie and, and the cops with the sounds i didn't really pay in the past i really didn't pay that much attention to like you know, the inept police officer sounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and then all of a sudden, you know, I had a headphones on and I was, when I was watching that, I was like, wait, what? So I had to back it up and I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's like, you know, anytime it's, it comes this season, October the 1st, all the Halloween films, that's, that's just my jam. It has been for, ever since I can remember Me too. Uh, you know, even with the most hated films in the series, I still find good in them. Uh, so, you know, that being said, I give it a seven. Uh, I think you have to own it if you're a fan, you know, cause if you're going, if you're going to have the series, you gotta have it. You know, if you're a fan of the series, yep. you, you gotta have it. You may not want every, you know, edition that comes out. Although I do highly recommend, you know, the Justin Beam commentary editions. Yes. Uh, or if you can find the ridiculously overpriced box set that is no longer in print for about a thousand dollars, by yeah. all means buy it. Uh, if you can squeeze out that kind of cheddar out of your biscuits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's a seven. Like it's not one that I'm going to watch like five or six times during Halloween yeah. season. Uh, but I will watch it two or three because a if I'm watching AMC and it's on, I'm gonna let it play just for that background noise because anytime I can hear 
a Michael Myers theme. It makes me smile. I'm with you there. All right, Jackson, go be go be the killjoy. What uh, what are you rating Halloween five? I so okay. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. Um, oh, honestly, okay. because I just thinking about it. Think about the other horror movies that came out in 1989. Oh, okay, we have a lot of bad ones. Yeah, Dream Child. We have uh, Jason goes to takes Manhattan. We have Society. Uh, we have Silent Night, Deadly Night Three, a Howling sequel, Amityville Four. I mean, it was just a real rough year. So as far as that goes, Halloween Five was just par for the course. Okay, so it's average. That's like a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want something good from that year, maybe Bride of Reanimator or Puppet Master, Pet Cemetery. But yeah. holy crap. I mean, there was a lot of crap that or year. Or the criminally underseen pin. Yes, or pin. pin is we talked about, we, well, not, we, we didn't cover it on the podcast, but we did briefly discuss that with uh, the Retro Movie Geek guys. Yep. But, um, but yeah, so, so as far as 1989 movies, this is very much par for the course. And in fact, maybe even better than a lot of the, the horror movies from, from the year. But as far, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is just, it's just a, a very, a painfully mediocre movie. And for a Halloween movie, it's, it's just very disappointing. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Which, speaking of disappointing, we now move on to the second film in our double bill, <laughs> Halloween. The Curse of Michael Myers. So uh, the IMDb synopsis reads, six years after Michael Myers last uh, terrorized Haddonfield, he returns there to the pursuit of his niece, Jamie Lloyd, who has escaped with her newborn child for which Michael and a mysterious cult have sinister plans. Okay, that's that's accurate, though there's a lot to it. so guys, when did you first see Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers? Because I remember it very well. Um, Greg, when did you first see it? I saw this opening day, baby. September 29th, 1995. And so did I. But what about you, Haddonfield? When did you first see it? Uh, I don't I don't think I went and saw this one at the theater. I think I saw it on probably VHS. Okay. Um, when it came out, I don't really recall. I didn't really get crazy into going to the movies until probably '96, okay. after I graduated high school. So um, that was probably my loss. But I really enjoy this film. Oh boy, we're gonna get into this, Jackson. What about you? Uh, this this was the last Halloween movie I watched in, in my initial run run through the franchise a couple years ago. I actually watched Halloween 2018 opening weekend before trying to watch this uh, because I had heard so many bad things about it that, that frankly, I was dreading it. And um, now I can say, yep, yep, uh, uh, pretty much warranted, pretty much uh, warranted on that. And now I will say, just as a cautionary, uh, I have not seen the producer's cut, so uh, I'm working purely off the, the the theatrical cut here. Maybe the producer's cut is so much radically better than, than this movie that it, it suddenly becomes a very watchable movie. No. Okay. No. Well, that no. saves me some trouble no. then, doesn't it? No. Now, okay. All right. We're going to get into this one. All right. So I remember when I started first going to conventions that – I was I'd always heard that there was a producer's cut because sadly uh, Donald Pleasance 
passed away during was it the filming? Yeah, it was during the filming of this. So this movie is yeah, it was really, during well, it was right after filming and right before reshoots. Like in yeah, so so it's really choppy. Like even the direct like the producer's cut is like was this mythical creature like Nessie yep. that you always heard about but you never saw it. Well, I went to a convention uh, with some friends of mine and then I was like I saw it and I was like, wait a minute, what what am I looking at here? Yeah. So the initial producer's cut of this film was the DVD theatrical cut with VHS footage yep. carved into it. Yeah, it looked terrible. Oh, it was, it was, and you could always tell when it switched. It yep. was horrible. Like, I still have my DVD version of this film, the producer's cut that I got from uh, this bootleg version from of a convention. I think it was probably one of the first or second conventions I ever went to. But, you know, lo and behold, all of a sudden now you can get the Blu-ray version. Uh, the producer's cut, the in, the intro to the movie, when you see Jamie, is completely different from the theatrical cut. How she dies is completely different, if uh, I do recall, which I'm actually watching. Uh, I switched off Halloween 5 and started uh, Curse of Michael Myers, the producer's cut now. Um, but there's just... So there's just little nuances that it kind of makes it a better film, but at the same time, it's like, it makes you go, what am I watching? Yeah. Like, I feel like that there's more emphasis on the man in black at the beginning and throughout the film than there originally was in the theatrical cut, if I'm not mistaken. So I think you're right. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. It, it is for rent right now on Amazon. You can watch the producer's cut. Uh, I think for three ninety nine um, on yeah. Amazon Prime, so you can people out there can find it. Uh, but no, I'm with you. I remember seeing it. I actually also got a bootleg DVD that a buddy let me borrow, and I watched it. And I remember being really excited, going home, popping it in, and being like, "Wait, who put this together? I mean, this is yeah, even for a bootleg, this is garbage." Yeah, it was it was so bad, like. Like, I remember watching it with my, like, me and my friends. Like, they, they still go to conventions. I don't go to near as many because, hey, The Walking Dead ruined the convention scene for me. Uh, <laughs> so that's another show with probably a explicit sign on it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, my the crew that I always used to watch horror movies and go to conventions, with we would sit and just like have uh, these crazy marathons where we would watch like the entire series in like a day and a half we'd yeah. go to one of our how one of our houses and just hang out and just watch horror movies all day uh, but it's not bad but then it has issues still so there, yeah you know, this but, this movie has issues i mean yeah it, even when you listen to like the cast being interviewed and, and that kind of stuff they were like, like Joe Chappelle was that the director, I believe. And, you know, he marches on the set and basically announces the entire cast. He hates Halloween movies. He's just, he just did this to get a three picture deal with Miramax. And, you know, it's like, Oh, that's a good start. You know, things are going to go well there. Right. Oh yeah. That's definitely going to make the day go better. 
And um, and Donald Pleasance wasn't in good health. You know, they, for whatever reason, didn't want Daniel Harris back. They said, well, because she's 17 and we don't want to do with the hours. And she actually got herself emancipated from her parents so she could do it. And she was they, willing to do it for $5,000 and they still said no. They wanted to pay her scale times wow. two, maybe. I think wow. I, like I've, I think when we interviewed her on Land of the Creeps, I think we've talked about that. Uh, but I know that uh, like on other podcasts and stuff like that, that she's talked about it as well. Uh, but yeah, the the whole switching of the character kind of, I think if they had brought her in, yeah, it would have done better. Um, yeah. As long as they didn't kill her off in like the first 10 minutes. But yeah, this, this screenplay is, like part five it needs a polish but at the same time you can't really polish the turd yep 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 so, yep that's the that's the problem we'll get into all that but jackson do you remember what i mean when when so did you just so you saw this before or after halloween 2018 i didn't catch that i saw it after i, I watched okay. i watched Halloween oh, okay. 2018 and then, and then I watched this. Like I said, I was I didn't want it to ruin the new movie. You know what I mean? I felt yeah. like I'd be thinking about Paul Rudd while I was watching Halloween 2018. But um, yeah, so th I, this is the last one I saw. I watched Resurrection before this, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, no, that's probably a better choice. Yeah, it might have been. I mean, it could have been. Honestly, I think I prefer Kung Fu versus Michael Myers better than whatever this is. Um, but. But, uh, but yeah, so this is this is one that I put off for for a very long time, and I watched it on DVD. I watched, so I guess it'd be the theatrical cut because it looked consistent quality all the way through. So probably they weren't splicing in VHS bootlegs of of the producer's cut. But uh, I, I just remember being struck with the feeling of like amateurness. It just feels so amateurish. The direction this the 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 franchise had taken. I mean, it started off so. I mean, it was super low budget, but it felt very, uh, it felt very intellectual. It felt very like it, it, it knew where it was going and it was slow and it was. Well, I think it felt, early, I think especially the first couple Halloweens, you know, felt uh, to your point, you say it's almost intellectual. I mean, look, the first Halloween got two thumbs up from Cisco and Ebert for goodness yeah. sakes, you yeah. know, but it was, I think that's because John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's writing. Yeah. It was the writing, and it was Dean Cundy behind the camera, and it just felt very, it felt like an event, right? Halloween, it's like you watch it, and you're like, wow. Then you get these, and then, I mean, it, like like we were talking about with Halloween 5, they just didn't know where they were going, and they were writing the script while they were doing it, and the director of Halloween 6 didn't want to be making a Halloween movie, and it's just, it just really feels like mismanagement here it feels like they're they're running it into the ground it's just it's it's very disappointing i feel like my child has been has been just just assaulted violently just beaten well, into the curb. It, it doesn't help that the weinsteins were involved at this point no right i mean not at all right that the weinsteins are involved and they are notorious for giving these notes that make no sense um to screenwriters and just driving them crazy uh they cut money out of the budget for this to give more money to hellraiser bloodline Oh, I'm so glad because that that was such a, a fantastic man. That really turned the, the Hellraiser franchise around, didn't it? Man, those guys yeah. have some great financial uh, acumen there. Yeah, that was a wise investment, wasn't it? I, feel, I um, hear they're great people too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, you know, I 
I, well, I, I mean, when I worked in Hollywood, they weren't that big of a deal. They were, they were distributors. They weren't really producers at that point, not big producers. They had produced some films, but they basically just went to film festivals and bought foreign films and distributed them, and that's it. And so that's the reputation they had. It was only after that all the crap started coming up. You haven't seen the documentary. I think it's on Hulu about Harvey Weinstein. Holy crap. But I, like Greg, I saw this on opening day. I was excited. I wanted to go. It was like, okay, I, I didn't know anything about the Weinsteins at that point. I didn't know their reputation. I knew Dimension had picked it up, you know, and Dimension seemed to be doing some cool things. I thought they're going to put some money into this. Here we go. I took my girlfriend at the time. She also was a Halloween fan. Leading up to watching Curse of Michael Myers, we watched like on Sunday night Halloween, Monday night Halloween 2, Tuesday night Halloween 4, you know, all this kind of, we led up to it, and then we go to the theater on Friday night, 7 o'clock, opening show in Wheelersburg, Ohio, we go in to see it, you know, and I had flown home and taken time off from working in Washington, D.C. to do this. Understand, this is how big of a deal this was. And we go to the theater, we watch the movie in silence, we walk out, she looks over at me and she says, what the hell was that? <laughs> and, I I didn't have an answer. and I didn't have an answer. Um, so that's when I first saw it. The plot, um, man, the IMDb got it right, but this screenplay, there are some odd choices in this screenplay first of all let's start with this jamie lloyd has had a baby are we all in agreement who the film seems to imply the father is <laughs> i believe you're correct yeah it's, it's creepy but yeah i think you're correct is that like a don't breathe turkey baster kind of thing <laughs> i yeah. don't know i don't i didn't know if this if i could go that on this Podcast, well, it's just, I would do on we, can, we can go, we can go at least PG 13. So it's like, look, it, you know, I, I nowhere in my mind did I ever see that, like, on maybe on like November 1st, Michael Myers was like, whoo, hard night at work, time to get my freak on, you know. Um, and, and then on top of that, the fact that it's his niece, I mean, oh my lord. And I mean, we were watching this, and like I said, we watched it in silence, but my girlfriend at the time, we kind of gave each other looks a couple of times, like, wait a minute, is, is that baby what we think it is? I mean, Jackson, are you in agreement here? Is that what it's implying? Oh, I don't think it's implying it. I think that's that's pretty much the, it's not the subtext, that's the text. Um, yeah, I, I think that is that is exactly what's going on here. And it just makes me love uh, the, the Thorn trilogy all the more. I mean, it's just fantastic decision after fantastic decision here. Let's give Michael an incest baby. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. So, you know, apparently for six years, and does anybody understand this? Apparently for six years, Jamie's been held in captivity. Apparently, it's taken her that long to get pregnant and have, give birth or whatever. I don't know, because I don't know how old she was in the original. I think Daniel Harris was like 11 or 12 when Halloween um, 5 came out. But uh, all right, so I, I, well, that also makes her underage, by the way. Um, so we've got that. And then is Michael, like, he's been living with and working with or serving this thorn 
cult underground in this like huge underground bunker, which we later find out is like in Smith's Grove, apparently. Under you know, and it's I I don't know what's going on here. And then they they want this baby, but at the same time, you've got you know the young kid Danny is that his name living in the Strode house who's he's hearing the voices that according to the neighbor Michael heard and and so they're like we need a chosen one and they need this baby but it sounds like it's Danny instead of that baby but they still want the baby and Greg can you figure this out for me uh figuring it out I I don't think so okay. of, of course now we have the the dual versions which tell two different tales so you have the producers and then you have the theatrical so it really just depends on which side you're looking at because the producers cuts is more psychological and wants you to think that uh, um, uh, that um, dr. Wynn and and the crew at Smith Grove, we're in cahoots the entire time where the theatrical it's more um it, it's still, make it's still there but idiot? it's still not well, uh, sorry what was that doesn't that make loomis an idiot yeah basically but they <laughs> did but they but you know they want you to believe that loomis retired immediately after 1989 because he had his stroke yeah. and then he had his plastic surgery to correct all the burns yeah, those have so. disappeared almost, haven't they? <laughs> so, um, it's just it's just a hot mess. And yeah, I think they went in directions that they didn't want to. And you know, the fact that the Strode family is living in the old Myers house is really weird. Yeah, and, that's that's really strange. Can we just talk about Mister Strode? What a what a oh. just a jackhole he is. And, and can I just be honest? That's going to be the the favorite kill of the well, movie yeah, for me can't wait for it right because yeah and and what a difference between the theatrical cut and the producer's cut so i'm a hundred percent behind the theatrical cut on that one okay well hadfield can you make sense of this is is michael working for thorn and then he turns against them at the end is he he's serving them what what's going on i don't know maybe i'm looking at it completely wrong it's like i get the vibe that they're trying to control him yeah um and then incest baby may i mean yeah it could it's incest baby but it could not be an incest baby because either way it goes it's going to be the bloodline of Myers. so i mean you could throw you know there's that um but i think that when they realize that Jamie and the nurse that is helping her escape, which at the beginning is helping her escape, that they turn him loose and just let him go on the rampage. I feel like so they may either be keeping him in captivity, keeping him highly sedated, because later on in the film you see uh, uh, the Ant-Man take out... Right. Michael Myers with like a ridiculous amount of like some kind of like sedative. Uh, so, you know, they could be doing that, controlling him. So it, it's really just up in the air because it's like Greg said, you know, each version has like a different, it, it, this is truly a create your own adventure, yep. you know, set of film. Uh, if you watch them, like I would like to have two screens set up put them both in with like 
captions on at the same time and just go and watch them together and kind of see how messed up they are. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny, Sean. I did that. <laughs> like, Get I, out! No, I, I did it, but the problem is, is the producer's cut is so much longer that you have to keep pausing the theatrical to try to keep uh, it coordinated. Yeah. And it gets very almost annoying because all of a sudden it's really neat when it matches because it's like you feel like you know jackson's in the editing room and you're watching all your footage and it's like this is great it's looping and then all of a sudden you get that small glitch and you're watching the wrong television at the wrong moment and the mouths are moving and you're hearing it and the other it's it was it was just i don't know how anybody could do, really do it but i tried yeah, I made like, it all the way through, but it was it was a hot mess. Yeah, the the theatrical cuts I think an hour and twenty seven minutes. So I don't know exactly how long the theatrical cut is. Um, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm actually let me pause it because I'm watching it right now. Uh, it's an hour and thirty five minutes and fifty nine seconds. That's from end to the end of the credits. So so you're looking at what almost 10 minutes like eight minutes of extra footage so yeah i could see where that pausing and everything would get it would throw it out of whack for sure i jackson so were you able let me just ask you this way were you able to follow this the the thorn thing <laughs> no no, no not all. at all and let me just say first of all you know theatrical cut 87 minutes too long too long. I've never said that about a movie before. 87 minutes, too long. 87 minutes for Halloween 6, too long. 67 minutes, maybe. Maybe make it as long as Bride of Frankenstein, if that's what you're trying to do, uh, director. But anyways. I, I feel like Jackson has been listening to me on Land of the Creeps way too much. <laughs> he does listen to a lot of Land of the Creeps, that's true. I mean, because, like, there's lots of films that I'm like, you know what? It's an hour and a half. I'm never going to get back in my life, you know? Yeah. So, I digress. Well, I I will say this. I will say this for the movie. Number one, I think it has a decent cast. Now, I don't think this is anywhere near Paul Rudd's best performance, but um, but I still think he did okay. Um, <clears throat> I think that the supporting cast is pretty good. I think Donald Pleasance is actually better in this than he was in Five. Because he's not just chewing the scenery a lot. I agree I, with that. Yeah, I think he's a little more dialed back like he was in 1 and 2, which is where I want him. And so I liked that. And Jackson, you may choke on this one, but I liked the cinematography on rewatch. Like the scene where Michael emerges out of the, you know, out of the cellar in near the beginning. I think that's a great shot. I think there are a couple other great shots. Now, can I make sense of this movie? No. I mean, I, and look, I can give you an argument that Friday 13th, one and two, that there is continuity there and it's all smooth and it's fine. But I can't do that here. Um, you know, I understand, yes, the little old lady who lives next door, she babysat Michael Myers when he was young and knew the voices, and she's apparently joined the Thorn Cult, and, you know, and there's this Thorn Cult just thrives at Smith's Grove. But at the same time, it's like they don't even take it seriously. And I, I will say I also really like uh, Mitchell Ryan as Dr. Wynn. I like him in everything, whether it's Lethal Weapon or or whatever it is. I like him. Um but it's almost like he doesn't even take it seriously. Like, 
you know, there's that scene where Dr. Wynn <clears throat> looks at one of his colleagues and he's still got like the Druid outfit on. He says, you can take that off. Halloween's over. <laughs> and, and almost like with like a giggle. And, and then for some reason, I don't know if Michael thinks he's being replaced or he's just not happy about it because they've got Danny and the baby there. Michael just suddenly decides after six years to go off on the thorn cult. I mean, I, I can't make sense of any of that. I don't know. It's like a know, Darth Vader Return of the Jedi type thing, maybe. Yeah, one flash the Emperor. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it, the movie doesn't make it. And then the way the theatrical cut ends, you know, with they're like, come with us, Dr. Loomis. He's like, no, I still have work here to do. And then it fades to black and you hear him screaming. And it's like, why is he, is he dead? Is it, you know, I don't. I don't know. This movie is a like, why did he? And, oh, by the way, you know, he kills someone back at the Myers house. And then he kills the disc jockey a half a mile away, like two seconds later. And why did he kill the disc jockey, the Howard Stern, poor man's Howard Stern? Can anybody talking, answer that question? Talking smack. It's is like, Michael sitting around listening to talk radio and Smith's Grove? I mean, like he knows. <laughs> Like, I mean, if you look at Halloween 2018, like, you know, the kids run into him, like, you know, he's just like, he knows, like, he knows when people are talking trash, you talk trash about him, boom, dead. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just, in the producer's cut, they, they show the, the different vans and it was actually accidental that the disc jockey goes inside the Smith Grove van that has, uh, happened to have, like, okay. Okay. And of course, in the theatrical, they don't do that. So it's just more just the brutal kill and satisfy the fans. The theatrical cut, that 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 part, you know, with uh, whatever his name is, they pronounce his name two different ways in the movie, very Symes and very Sims. But, you know, whatever. But that, is that, Greg, that doesn't make any sense, does it, for Michael to kill this? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, it doesn't, <laughs> except for just to add a body and then have the cinematographer and the and the production designer have him hanging up in the tree and the, have the little girl dancing around singing a song and have Paul Rudd walk up to it. And then just like magic, the body just falls from the tree. And it's, I don't know, just it, it was... If I was the the producer or anything, I would have cut that immediately. So. Yeah, I just I can't make sense of the plot, not really. Um, but I like I said, I liked the cinematography. I thought the cast was good, and I thought the kills were good. I think that the one thing I will say about Curse of Michael Myers is I do like a lot of the kills, whether it's Michael taking the nurse and putting a peg through her head, or how he dispatches of of Jamie, or you know whatever. I do like the kills greg what say you um yeah i'm gonna follow up with that and i'm going to agree and it's something that i noticed that i have never noticed before is how handsy is how i put it michael is so handsy in this one he doesn't use the knife as much he doesn't right. use uh weapons he grabs the nurse he grabs the dad he grabs the boyfriend you know, it's just one thing after another where he's just very hands on with this one. And they're not the best, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. some of them are aren't. But, you know, the father, 
who sadly the the writer named him after John Carpenter. Right. And of course John and Deborah, really right? We get yeah, John, John and Deborah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he's like, Well, I really didn't think about it. I just wanted to pay homage and then of course I end up making this this the, the father a real big jerk and you know an abuser yeah. with domestic violence and this and that and it's just awful. But he does get he does get the best best kill and and you know it's it's crazy. Um the thing that always it's in that scene where he's down in the basement and the washing machine's still going, yet he even notices that the electricity's on. So that's one of those things where I, I can't understand how the washing machine is still going. Nope. It but makes no sense. They, they don't explain it at all, but at least he does notice that the power's not on and he doesn't he doesn't know why. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's... it's I. I I feel like I'm going to probably be in agreement with you on this one because I do like it a little bit better. It is shot a little bit better than number five. And there are those moments, like you said, when he emerges from that tunnel and yeah. it just has the right amount of fog and it's on rain. And, and I, I really think it's shot well. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's right there. The train or the bus station, everything has its little moments then there's a few moments where it's that 90s coloration where it's kind of an odd choice. Um, I don't I think it was just the period of time. Yeah. And it's a it's you know, this is one of those where as as we made note, this is what 90s slashers slash horror movies were before Scream. After Scream, you know, this was one of those last movies that came out that still was harnessing trying to harness that 80s aesthetic and then yeah, you still was, had you still had at times you know 30 year olds playing 18 year olds yes yes and everything was about to change so yeah, yeah. the one the one bad thing scream gave scream gave us a lot of good things the one bad thing it gave us was the all cw cast you know <laughs> everybody everybody is a perfect 10 with yeah right um but I, Haddonfield, do you like the kills in this one? I enjoyed the kills in this one. Uh, you know, when you look at the theatrical cut versus this one, uh, you know, the kills are not as, um, yeah, basically they dumbed them down or they're non-existent, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, Deborah Strode's where she's running through the clotheslines and then all of a sudden you see the, you know, blood splatter and you know yeah the axe then you know when you find her and you hear the washing machine thumping uh and then john strode gets like the best kill yeah you, you can't beat that and then like when barry got you know the little girl was like it's raining red yeah or whatever you know that was great um i really enjoyed it uh you know seeing uh old uh, Ant-Man there smash Michael Myers with a pipe. Then, you know, that was pretty good, but I, I'm kind of like you with, like, the whole Loomis cackling at the end, screaming. It's like, is he, like, doing a maniacal laugh, or is he just dying? Yeah, we, yeah we're yeah. not told. And Yeah, my, my problem is not with the way this movie necessarily was made or cast. It's how right. it was written. Yeah, it's, it's like it's so choppy. Like... Yep. You know, 
it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I get the producer's cut, but at the same time, it's like, did we really need it? But as a fan and a collector of like all editions of every Halloween film, I love it. But I enjoyed the kills. Uh, they, they just, you know, was it, uh, uh, what's her, um, uh, the brother, not, yeah. uh, I guess Danny's uncle, he gets his, you know, throat slit. Yeah. Um, and then the nurse at the beginning, when she basically gets head slashed through the wall spike, that kind of sets the, the tone of how like the kills are going to be in this one compared to like Halloween five. Yeah. Agree. Jackson, what say you? Yeah, I, I like the kills in this one. I, th- I think they are a step up from from Halloween Five, and and you know you were we were talking about the technical aspects. I do think it looks uh, maybe a little bit better. It definitely looks more '90s, um, but I'm more a fan of the camera work in this one. And there are a few good shots. I, I do like that that shot of of like Paul Rudd when he's creeping. He's he's peeping Tom, uh, like but it's looking through his window. There's that orange light behind him and the rain on the window. It, some yep. of it does look pretty cool. Um, it's just. It's Halloween six, you know they're wasting that that good cinematography in Halloween six, um, but but the, the, there are some good kills and and yeah the the kill of of John Strode it's just awesome like and the the head explosion whole I don't even know how that happens it's like it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark logic, but uh, <laughs> but yeah I loved I love that kill and I do like when the nurse gets picked up and and staked to the wall through her head that's like a a pretty cool homage to the Bob kill uh, yeah. from the first movie. So, uh, you know, but pretty good overall, I would say. And I did notice that also. Uh, Greg was talking about this. Michael does choke and throw a lot more in this movie. And he picks up, I, I mean, he's just, he's very, yeah, exactly. Or was that Halloween 5? Either way, he's not using the the, the classic kitchen knife uh, as much, is my point. He's They're trying to be no, Jason. No, in fact, trying to. What is that thing he's got? It's almost, it's not quite a machete. It's bigger than a knife that he grabs before he goes in on the surgical team, which I don't know what in the world they're getting pre- preparing to do. But, yeah. but I'm, yeah, he grabs it. looks like a bone saw. I'm actually, yeah. on a, I'm actually on a website that's, it's like HalloweenMovieFandom.com where they have like a list of all the deaths. And, yep. and they've got it listed as a surgical machete. Oh. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, this. yeah, I would go with greg that it's possibly some sort of bone saw maybe uh or something along those lines we don't get a, i know we don't, it's we don't get to looking. see a lot of it though we just see like flashes of it yeah that's true that is true all right well what else do we want to talk about with halloween the curse of michael myers greg do you have any other notes on it um the, the runes, the, that that was always find it kind of interesting, especially when you look at the different cuts. Because in the theatrical, it's they just go to the website and, you know, it's all about the thorn rune and he explains what it is about, uh, you know, it makes him immortal and he has to kill uh, the, de- the descendants. Um, and everybody in the village, you know, if you were cursed with the thorn, that's what you had to do. And it's kind of hokey if you will but then when you get into the producer's cut it really goes the hokey route where he is going to harness the runes to to trap michael and so he makes this giant circle with the runes and michael steps in and then he's trapped he's stuck so so now we're almost like those kind of like 
Freddy Krueger. Every every nightmare exactly. on Elm Street, there's a new way to stop it. Exactly. And then, you know, to touch on the, the Loomis screaming, I think they just picked up the scream from the producer's cut and put it at the end of the theatrical. Because what happens is Dr. Wynn is like, now I'm free. And then all of a sudden Loomis looks at his wrist and now he has the mark of the of the thorn. And he's like, now he's your problem. And so then that's the infamous uh, Dr. Loomis. No, no. Oh, gosh. So I think that's where they picked up that scream. And of course, they they leave it very open ended in both of the movies, really, about what's going to happen to Michael. Uh, it's definitely more of a mystery in the theatrical, though, because sadly, you know, he 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 passed on before yeah. any kind of a reshoot. Um, but I, I, as for anything else, I I don't know what else we could touch upon. Yeah. <laughs> Offhand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can always talk about the music. That there was a little bit of guitar and the old music with this. Yeah, one. you got you got a little bit of the teaser. What you'd get also with kind of the '90s kind of soundtrack music, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get later with all the, you know, it seemed like every horror movie from this on had to have like a, it was obligatory they'd have a Creed song or something like that. <laughs> but <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I didn't mind the music. I liked it. I, I like I said that technically the technical aspects of this I thought were fine. I thought the problem was the script. I mean, I just think that the yeah. script is just unintelligible. It's all over the place. As, or as Haddonfield said, it's choppy. And I just, I think it could have used uh, many more runs through. But Haddonfield, what else do you want to uh, touch on with Curse of Michael Mark? Um, I mean, it is choppy. I do want to say that, out back to the kills, uh, J.C. Brandy, her character, yep. like in the, in the producer's cut, if I'm not mistaken, she's not like, impaled and just completely gutted by like the farm equipment yeah um, yeah you're right she, i think she's, she's shot. shot in the head by dr Wynn or the i'm sorry the man in black right yeah uh, again so uh, i thought that was kind of a cop out um i didn't hate jc brandy i mean she she did what she was supposed to do it yeah. sucked that danielle wasn't in there uh but in the producer's cut, and it just now flashed across the screen, and it chaps my biscuits. I just <laughs> and I noticed it yesterday when I was because I've watched this one twice as well. Um, I, I started, I watched it yesterday, and then restarted it today and watched it, uh, and then started again while we were recording this, so I could make sure I got some of my producer cut stuff right. Uh, when Doctor Loomis and Doctor Wynn go there, the you know there's this perfectly burnt thorn symbol in the hay oh my gosh yes like a, a yeah, like an artist like had done it yeah yeah it's like stenciled in there that that chaps on my biscuits but the thing that i get the most is whenever dr loomis and dr Wynn are looking at jamie she's moving her eyes oh no but her eyes are closed and you can see her eyeballs moving under her eyelids uh. and it's like i i, I kind of ha- you know, when I watched it yesterday, I was watching on a laptop. So it was kind of, it was more prominent. And then today when I'm like, I just look up and I seen it and I was like, oh no. So it's like, just don't move your eyes. Yeah. Just, just, come on, don't move your eyes. But I mean, the movie does give you like a good fall Halloween feel. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's scenes that give you that sense of dread, uh, like when Deborah's going through, you know, she's scared, she's running. Uh, but then John Schrode going out and like the kids have put up the Michael Myers thing in yes. the yard. That is absolutely one of my favorite things. Like it goes good with the Halloween four intro, something along those lines. It gives you that. And which I told Meg, I said, I'm going to pause this and we're going to draw this out. And then next year for Halloween, I, we're going to cut this and make this and put it out in the yard. Uh, oh, that just, would be I awesome. I think it's awesome. And it's like Kenny at the Myers house. Uh, he has one and I love Kenny to death. Super, super Halloween fan, of course. Yep. But just some of the old school Halloween props and stuff that he has and, you know, retro look and stuff. That's to me what gets you in the Halloween feel. And some of these movies have it. Obviously, Halloween 5 didn't. But I, it's not it's not a horrible film, but there's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, Ant-Man saves the day. Oh, something <laughs> else chaps my biscuits. The green blood at the end. Oh, I didn't notice that. I, I think there, I swear there is green blood at the end that is coming out of Michael Myers' mask. When oh, I have to re- Paul Rudd that. is like, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Oh, okay. I, I, I noticed it upon rewatch that all of a sudden in that ending when he's beating him with the pipe, it's like, wait, wait, wait. You know, I thought that was just bad eyesight on my part or yeah. something. And it's like, no, it's definitely a green slime. Yeah, it just hit me. And I was like, that is another thing. It's like, if you're going to have blood coming out of Michael Myers, it doesn't need to be green. No, because he bled when he got, you know, when Jamie Lee Curtis suddenly became like a a marksman in Halloween 2. And nailed both eyes. of his eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was red blood, man. Yeah. Guys, I, I think know. you're I think you're missing the obvious troll two homage here. This is obviously a <laughs> Oh yeah. You don't you guys aren't cinephiles like I am. You don't get these little things. Oh, they're in Milbog. I forgot. They were I, in I forgot Milbog. when we throw an homage out, out like <laughs> horrible homages in horrible other films. Uh, yes. But yeah, it's uh Yeah, that's just one of the things that just irks me. But you know, there's a there's some good you know, stuff in, in the two, but at the same time, they're five and six are just not great sequels. And yet we own them. We own multiple versions of them and we (laughs) pay ridiculous prices for bootleg DVDs. Like 40. If I'm not mistaken, I think I paid probably 30 or $40 for that DVD. Yeah. But it's like, I pay to have it in my collection. So, Yep. Oh, uh, Jackson, what else do you want to talk about? Anything else? I, d- I don't have a lot. Uh, I, I did write my notes. At least Michael looks more like Michael. Uh, at least he's, he's cleaned up. Yeah, a the only problem I had was at times the mask looked a little too big, like a bobblehead. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's the only problem I had with it. Other than that, I liked it. At least it's not albino. At least it's not untucked from his, from his shirt. And at least it's not CGI. Uh, which is something we'll talk about later. Yeah, we'll talk but, about uh, that next week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he Michael looks okay. He de- I mean, the, they nailed the look in the first two. They never, they could never get it quite right again. Uh, but it's okay. It's passable in this movie. I feel like I'm watching Michael Myers. I'm not just watching some cosplayer. Um, and it's a bad sign. Like we, in Halloween Five, you got that guy dressed up like Michael. 
and you're like, we're thinking, oh, it's actually Michael, because there's no way for us to tell any different. The costume is just so generic. You know what I mean? There's nothing that makes Michael Michael in that movie. Um, but at least he looks like Michael in this movie. Uh, and then another thing I have is I'm not a fan of, of the guitar Halloween theme of this movie. It's not it's not heavy enough to be cool. It just sounds kind of hokey. Um, I think that, you know, if you're going to do that, do it like Halloween 2018. They got the, the Jimmy Page method of, of playing electric guitar with a violin bow. Uh, and that sounds really cool. If you're going to do if you're going to do a, a, a rock version of, of the Halloween theme, do it the right way. Because I was listening to the soundtrack earlier. And that track just it, it just sounds kind of hokey. It's like bam 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 bam, and it's like okay, all right. All I can imagine is some bar band playing it. Um, but uh, but yeah, overall soundtrack wasn't bad actually. I, I was listening. There's some like ambient uh, tracks in this that are pretty mm-hmm. creepy. Like I'm I honestly, you know, I can't wait until a hundred years and those are in the public domain. I'll use those in my movies. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But um, but yeah, so so not not bad overall, not a bad bad soundtrack. I mean, uh, from a visual and an uh, an auditory standpoint, from a technical standpoint, this is not a a terrible movie. It's just like you said, that the script influenced everything else. I mean, the yeah. acting is subpar because of the subpar script, and the enjoyability and rewatchability is subpar because of the subpar script. So it really just goes to show you that without a good screenplay, a movie is nothing. Yep. That's where it all starts. So, Greg, you begin. What's your rating for Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. But let me just take the mic for just a second, just to rewind, because I, I didn't get a chance. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. But <laughs> no, 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 no. My This is probably one of the few that I can remember so much about only because I remember way back in 1994, I was a huge fan of Entertainment Tonight at the time, and I remember their exclusive on the set of Michael Myers' Halloween 6. I was jumping out of my skin. I was so excited, and I immediately didn't like the uh, way it was going with the whole cult theme. I was absolutely like, you got to be kidding me. They're, they got all this great uh, Haddonfield and this and that, and they're going to go with a cult. They can't think of anything else. That's yeah. where they're going to go with this. And then, of course, fast forward a year, and I, with my friend Amy at the time, and a small group of us theater nerds, we were so excited, especially the horror fanatics, my myself and my friend Amy. We were like, we're going opening night. We got it all planned. And then, of course, slowly friends were like, yeah, we want to join in. Yeah, let's go. We'll make a whole big event out of it. Of course, there I am. I'm geeking out. My friend Amy's geeking out. Our other friend Mindy, she's geeking out. And then our mutual friends, Eric and Dan, were like, every 30 seconds to a minute, had to just play you know, voiceover in the background. Oh, that is so lame. Oh my gosh, I saw the strings. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that blood is so fake. There's no way that somebody could snap a neck like that. Oh my gosh, it's an incest child. And it's just like and the whole movie was just absolutely ruined oh, for, no. for us, you know, if we're going. But all right, as for a rating, this only because of visuals it edges number five out for me and it goes up to a six out of ten it's not the greatest 
but of course, am I going because it's the sixth film? Sure. I had it higher. <laughs> and then, of course, after watching it a few times for this and then watching it a few times with the producer's cut, it's it, it has some great visuals and some other good things. But it just, I mean, you guys nailed it. It's haphazard. It's all over the place. It's like a jigsaw puzzle and you're missing some pieces and they couldn't, you know, even the creators couldn't figure out where to put those pieces and having the theatrical and the producers cut, they're completely two different movies and with the same general material. So both of them, mm. if I have to even read both of them, they're right in there, right? At, even the producers, I'd even go with a five because it is timid compared to number six and they they really didn't go the distance which is where i guess a fan i wanted to go and listening to part of the commentary because i even had to just stop it because it's with the writer and with the composer and the writer is sitting there trying to defend his position and you know he just is trying to put the blame game oh Tarantino was involved, and this mm -hmm. writer was involved, and that writer was involved. And but from what I read in Taking Shape, I mean, Tarantino just gave like a pitch, and they turned it down. They didn't even like his pitch idea, and so he was out in like five minutes. Yeah, and that's that's what I heard too. But of course, because of who he is, and because they want to make it sound like it was some big ordeal, his pitch was basically natural born killers, which is what I had read. Right which basically was going to be Loomis and Michael on a road trip across the United States. and Which Michael is loony, but I'm pretty sure that once he started writing that screenplay, he would have ditched that idea. Oh, I, yeah, I guarantee it, but we'll never see it. And oh, well, but I have to stick with my six out of 10 for Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. You got it. Haddonfield, what about you, buddy? Uh, it's slightly better. Uh, than five, I'll probably give this one a 7.5 um, just because I feel like it is shot better. Um, mm -hmm. I do like Paul Rudd. Michael looks more like Michael. He doesn't have a personal flotation device. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there are certain aspects of the film that make you think, hey, this is a Halloween film. Uh, Strode House, you know, Creepy Kids, you know, doing shenanigans. Um, I do have some issues with it. Green blood, not a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, Loomis, uh, I do like how they uh, corrected the fact that he doesn't have like a mangled face. Yeah. Uh, they did say that, you know, he did mention it was plastic surgery and it was expensive. I do appreciate that. I feel like he's toned down to more like you said, the calm version. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of times it's like, who's the more crazy, the doctor or the patient? Yeah, definitely in five, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like four and five. I feel like Loomis was more crazy uh, than Michael. But, yeah, at least Michael's not talking. I mean, Michael doesn't yeah. talk, so he's not screaming every five minutes. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like he was hopped up on Adderall or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, exactly. But uh, it, it's a good film. Like I said, you know, watch both. Uh, versions make your decision which one you like better. I think they go kind of hand in hand. One takes you, one is a little trippier than the other. Uh, you know, kills are good overall. It's definitely if you're a Halloween fan and you you love Michael Myers, it's you definitely just 
buy the one version that uh, suits it, probably the new Shout Factory, Screen Factory versions uh, would be sufficient. Yep, I agree. Jackson, what about you? I'm I'm going to land at a 5 out of 10 for this one, too, which is surprising me because I, I went in expecting this to be the worst one, but I think it's tied with with uh, with Halloween 5 for me. And I again, look at the movies that came out this year. You know, look at the 1995 horror movies. It's really not a great group. So as far as as those movies go again, you know, Halloween 6 is kind of just par. So, um, I mean, I'm seeing Children of the Corn 3, and I almost had a mental breakdown watching that for one of our first episodes <laughs> of the podcast. So, so and, and Congo, what the heck? Uh, we have cool oh, Congo is Congo is a bonkers movie, but go ahead. Dracula Dead and <laughs> Loving It. I know how much you love that movie, Dad. Oh, uh, yeah. um, we do have, like, Castle Freak and Demon Knight and Tales from the Hood and, and uh, you know, feel how you want to feel about the Jeff Goldblum movie Hideaway. Uh, which I, I actually bought from a Goodwill on VHS. Um, but, uh, you know, again, not a great year for, for horror, and it's just really reinforcing why Scream was so necessary. Um, but it's just among those those things, it's really not that much of an outlier. So 5 out of 10, very average movie, but again, um, amongst the Halloween films, just just really just a, a day runner. Yeah, it's just because... The reason I'm going to go five out of 10 as well. The reason I'm not going higher than Halloween five um, is because they went so deep into the cult of Thorn thing, which I'm just I think is bonkers. And I, I had no interest in whatsoever. Uh, but technically, it's a much better film than Halloween five. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, but the screenplay is just garbage. I mean, it's just hot garbage. And. You know, it, it, I just can't stand the storyline. And, you know, I think the acting, Paul Rudd is a, I, I'm a big Paul Rudd fan. You know, um, I didn't think much of him till Anchorman. Um, and then I thought he was great. But I, here, I think his performance is a little off, but I think the script is off. It's just weird. And I don't, and so I'm coming down five out of 10. If you're a Halloween fan, of course you own it. You should own it. If you're a casual fan, um, it's like Haddonfield said, you can choose your own adventures with Halloweens now. If your introduction to Halloween was the original in Halloween 2018, you may want to skip this. You know, that's that's just where I'm coming down. So, all righty. Well, folks, stick around. Uh, you may know where we're going, but not who we're going with. So, uh, please, if you will. Become a Patreon supporter. You can go on to patreon.com and search for Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. All the uh, funds that um, come through there go directly to the son to help him get through film school. I don't see a dime of it. You can join for as little as $2.50 a month. So, Greg, where can they find you online, buddy? All right. People can find me anywhere. Anywhere. You guys are good at tagging me. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the, the Facebook and I'm on the Twitter, uh, QUA419, and um, just always willing to talk to any kind of a fan of movies, horror movies, or anything pop culture, usually, uh, anything that intrigues me. Um, obviously, I've, I've created quite the status with uh, Land of the Creeps. Uh, your, name, so, your name is officially an I honored know, verb there, sir. I know, and I, I feel so honored and 
and uh, and blessed to be part of this group. So, and thank you so very much for letting me come on for any of the Halloween retro retrospectives. I think this was just great. And uh, number five and number six are not not the greatest, but I also don't feel like they're the worst either. So, um, but thank well, you we'll for letting yeah. me be on. We'll eventually get to Rob Zombie's Halloween too. But anyway, um, <laughs> just kidding, maybe. Um, Haddonfield, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I do the Land of the Creeps uh, Twitter page, uh, at Land of the Creeps. Uh, mine is at SuperDavis78. I do more Twitter, uh, Instagram than I do Facebook. So that's, uh, that's usually my go-to if you want to get a hold of me that way. Uh, always hit the DMs. Good deal. So you can find more of this podcast on fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. We also have an Instagram page. It's not that I don't update as much as I should, but we are also on Twitter at fathersonhorror. And we have a closed Facebook page. All you need to do is send a request to join, and I will approve it. Jackson, buddy, where can they find you? Oh, I thought I was going to be able to skip my plugs because I always struggle with the Twitter handle. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. Uh, you can find my Letterboxd and, and YouTube links from there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a video for the Patreon right now. So not not updating the, uh, the, the personal YouTube channel as much. But if that's the case, you know that I'm working on a banger uh, Patreon video. Good deal. You can find me at, at Pastor Matt R on Twitter and Letterboxd as well. So, Jackson, our next show, what are we covering and who we got coming on? We have an interesting one coming up. Uh, our, our, <laughs> we've, so, okay. <laughs> We're, we're, we're going to have a double bill, and it's not going to be two movies of, of uh, equal quality, as I would say, or, or near quality, comparable quality like it was with this one. We are covering H2O and Halloween Resurrection in one episode, and we're going to be joined by the wonderful Amy Swan, uh, who is always fantastic. You may remember yep. she was most recently on Scream 4. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be a great episode and I think it'll be really, really funny <laughs> to segue from H2O to Halloween Resurrection. Uh, you know how much I love the two extremes. I love praising a movie and I love just absolutely crapping on a movie. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be Amy, Amy is the, uh, roller derby coach with the most, right? Yes, she is. Yes. And, and she'll do awesome. As she does always. All right. So. Folks, thanks for listening. Greg and Haddonfield, thanks for being on. Jackson, say goodbye to good people. Goodbye, and, and hey, remember, if you're going through a slump in your life, you can't have a Halloween H2O without a Halloween 6 first. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Remember, the family that watches horror movies together slays together. Once again, I want to thank the great people over on Patreon. Dave Becker, Greg Bench, Ryan Bratton, Dan George, Ian Urza, Kevin Corpy, James McFeeders, Ashley Pinkard, Greg Amortis and Pearl from Land of the Creeps, Raul Rivera, Joel Robertson, Brian Scott, Amy Swan, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you all so much. You make this podcast possible. Lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. Um, they've had six years without any trouble from Michael Myers. 
and everybody thinks that he's dead, except Dr. Loomis, except me. I know he's still alive.